Hey, Warners, this is your warning that the following episode of Women Your Mother Warned You About went a bit rogue from the beginning. You know, one of those episodes where we started the show before we started the show, you know, we were recording and then things happened. So put on your big girl panties and buck up for the ride with yours truly, Gina Tremarco. Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Coach for Sales Gravy, with my cheeky co-host. Cheeky, cheeky, cheeky co-host, Susanna (laughs) (laughs) Gray-Jones. Cheeky, that was the password I put into this Zoom recording for you. Cheeky. You've got to be careful with this cheeky thing for all the English listeners. I don't know if you knew about this in the USA, but... On um, the X Factor years ago, there were these two twins who were kind of weirdly famous because they were weird and they kind of came on. We are the cheeky girls. We are the cheeky girls. You are the cheeky boys. You are the cheeky boys. And it was just so catchy and annoying, but hilarious. And every time you say cheeky, I think, am I one of the cheeky girls? So for all you American listeners, I have not gone mad. I have not lost it. It was a thing. Okay, well, hey, let's, it's, um, we're we're recording um, 11 p.m. your time, 5 p.m. my time. Um, I don't know if you could hear it. I'm like losing my voice a little bit from the show that I'm doing right now where I scream a lot and sing a lot. I want to. There's still jump, some Gina left. There's still some Gina there left. There is definitely today. some Gina left. I think it's a sexier voice, Gina. I'm, that's just my opinion. But um, sex sells. Sex does sell. No, we are not selling sex. Okay. Uh, what I would like to do is, uh, what is the word of the week? Like, do we have a British word I need to learn? Yes, we always have a British word that you need to learn. I've always prepared a British word. I mean. Um, Today, I'm going to talk to you <laughs> about the word pants. So pants. Have you, have you seen the musical South Pacific? Um, I have, I have like a long, long time ago when I was a little girl. So I'm familiar so, with it. Power Woman, for all the women power listeners, um, there's a character called Nellie Forbish. And she sings about being in love with a wonderful guy. And she sings any fable I hear from a person in pants. And then that's my American accent, by the way. And she pulls up her <laughs> trousers. And I'm like this like eight-year-old kid in love with her, walking around, pulling up my pants and saying, person in pants. Because to me, I was like, why is she singing about her pants? Like, but I'm going to sing it anyway. You know, like when we all used to sing Spice Girls, get it on, get it on, without knowing what it meant. I was going around (laughs) pulling up my pants thinking that's what people do. Now, for Americans, that was normal because you guys say your pants are your trousers. For us in the UK, our pants are our underwear. So my mum was like, what are you doing, Susanna? Stop doing that. Stop doing that in public. (laughs) My (laughs) pants. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's a big one. And it's hilarious for us English people when you Americans say, oh, I forgot to wear my pants today. Or, oh, I'm wearing, do you like my cool pants? You know, we're like, what? Don't talk about your knickers. That's so gross. So Thank goodness. Um, Thank goodness I am not an American woman who likes to wear a pants suit. (laughs) <laughs> do you not do you never wear pants as you call them I, I don't wear well there's pants and there there are pants suits some women oh. wear pants suits have you not heard of pants suits there's the american version for you is that what they wear in like mamma mia the whole um what do we call that 
you know, it's like, it's, it's what. It's basically for a woman, it's a pants and a jacket. Like a man would wear a suit. It's pants and a jacket. Not but dungarees. A, no, not that. What is a dungaree? <laughs> dungarees. Wait, you don't know, tell like me. <laughs> Save it for next week. We've only week. got one English word this week. But look up dungarees. And um, and I'm going to look up whatever you just said. What was it? Pantsuit. Pan- pantsuit. Yeah, pantsuit. I'm going to look that up. And okay. I'll wear I- one. All right. So part of part of this um, new season of the women your mother warned you about is is uh, broadening your horizons with new words. So <laughs> culturally, things you should know. And hey, listeners, maybe you have like a uh, different phrases from your culture or country um, where the words are the same, but the meaning is not. It does. It's mm. different in a different country. I would love to hear some of those. So for our listeners, if you've got, you know, I mean, I learned I had a a boss who was um, Australian who um, the first time I picked him up from the airport, he said he wanted to put his his bags in my in my boot. Is that what you call it? Is it the boot? Oh, yes. Your boot. The boot, the boot of your car, right? I was like, excuse me. You want to do what? <laughs> And I can I put this in your boot? I'm like, excuse me. So that might be misperceived um, for Americans. Yeah. So boot yeah. means the trunk of the car. Did not know that. So there you go. Susanna Gray Jones and Gina Tramarca bridging the gap between the Bridge, confusions that could up. lead to the wrong place. <laughs> Which brings me to mind the gap. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I actually wrote a blog many many years ago called Mind the Gap. Right, that sounds like a cheeky thing that you would write. What should I say? <laughs> Sassy. <laughs> Sassy. All right, we banter, we've we bantered enough. Let's talk about oh. what we are going to talk about today, which I believe is sales leadership, because mm. we have some listeners who have some questions we do. that they want us to answer. Is that correct? Yeah, and I think it's really relevant um, because I don't know about you, but I and I know we've spoken a lot about this before. We coach people who are sales managers. I am of the opinion that nobody, nobody, whoever you are, you might be the best salesperson in the world, but you never go into a sales manager job competent. Okay. I think everyone tends to be promoted to what we call incompetence and then they become competent. And mm-hmm. sales managers are the most challenging jobs because managing salespeople who can sometimes be mavericks and have big personalities and are very invested in their career and money can be no. tough to manage. <laughs> you're, are you no. tough to manage, Gina? Does Jeb <laughs> think you're tough to manage? You weren't expecting that one. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what Jeb would say. I know some of the things that he would say about me, but I don't know if he would say I'm tough to manage. I don't know. I wonder if you were a handful once, um, but uh, <laughs> can I be that cheeky? <laughs> you know what? I think I'm a handful in certain areas. How about that? Yeah. You say what you think and you care. And that's the important thing. You know, yeah. it's, and sometimes it's hard for people to deal with. Yeah, yeah. How about but that? Jeb is a strong manager, so he can he can put up with you. <laughs> <laughs> on most days. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's let's so move on. This is a question that keeps coming up over and over again. Um, I'm a new manager in a role. What do I do? First of all, we always say get a coach, um, and that's why we coach lots of people. 
But there are questions that people just want to know the answers to. And I've got probably about eight to 10 questions. We won't have time to get through them all. But I picked out a few that I thought were great. So for example, here's one for us. My team aren't getting back to me on time. Whatever I send to be done never gets completed on time. It's really bugging me now. How many of us can relate to this? I think any manager can relate to this. When you send something out and you say, please get back to me, and then you're chasing people and suddenly your job's so much more busy than it should be. Yeah, because you're babysitting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're babysitting and you're kind of micromanaging. I think that's a challenge. Here's here's my opinion on from a sales leadership standpoint. Mm. I, you hit it in the head with like Mavericks, right? Like really high performing salespeople. We're moving fast. We're trying to close deals. We're sometimes not always doing the right procedures. And and then if you're put into a management role, you're just not used to having to chase people other than prospects. Mm. And now you're trying to chase people that you assume are like you, mm. but they're not because that's why they're not in the new role that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. You've been put in that role because you're, I, I could be wrong about this. I think that often people are promoted to higher roles because they're high performers in their, those roles and they're seen mm-hmm. as role models. Well, if we could get everybody to be like uh, Michelle, who's rocking it at sales, if we could get mm-hmm. everybody to be like her, we'll be great, right? But just because she like is great at generating sales doesn't mean she's great at managing people. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a difference between manager and leader. I I was a great salesperson who was put into a management role with a group of other directors. And the minute people were talking, it, it lockdown happened, furlough happened. Let's talk about who should go on what shift. Let's talk about how we're going to functionally organize this. I was falling asleep. I was like, I can't do this. This is not my remit. I just lead. <laughs> I'd sell, I get on the phone, I get other people to make on the phone. Um, so everyone's different. But one bit of advice I thought of when I saw this question, I used to be on the receiving end all the way through my career of emails where I'd be asked to do things, but sometimes it wouldn't be explained why I needed to do them. So I, mm. it would automatically go to the bottom of my list. Management wants another thing and blanket, ignore, oh, they want something else of me. I'm not thinking about why they need what they need. Um, and the other thing which Mary, who works for Sales Gravy, is awesome at is she gives deadlines. Not everyone gives deadlines. And if you don't give deadlines, then people, well, you can't expect them to respond because they don't know how important it is. So I think that's that's a big one. Well, I think it also goes an extra step with the deadlines. Um, yeah. And I agree. And by the way, I talked to Mary today and she's been listening to our episodes, just so I you know. know. She's know. not she's not totally caught up yet, but she wanted her us to know she was listening this past weekend to us. The other thing with setting deadlines is then you have to set a rhythm mm. that you're expecting them to meet the deadline. Mm. Because if if you let it go that they miss the deadline, then they actually don't take the deadline serious. Yes. Yes. So there's a little there's a little micromanaging in the beginning of that of setting the deadline and then if they miss the deadline, you're like Hey, where is it? Yeah. 
and you have and you have to you do that one or two times to stress the point that there's a deadline, right? Like I have yes. someone who has a deadline with me every Wednesday to send me the template, the the draft of my weekly email. Mm. She's on a Wednesday deadline, and she does it. The, yeah, yeah. The first few Wednesdays, it was like, hey, it's Wednesday. It's four fifty-five on Wednesday. Yeah, I only I only had to remind her once. Yes. Yeah, I had a great manager who used to always say, set yourself a reminder and add me to it and manage upwards. A lot of people think their manager's bugging them. Well, manage upwards. If I don't want my manager on my, my back, I will certainly be telling them what I'm doing each week so they don't have to check in with me. Um, there's a huge thing. Now, we both know this. We've heard this. Everyone, all of our listeners will have heard. I don't want to be micromanaged. I hate being micromanaged. I recruit. The first thing they always say to me, I don't need to be micromanaged. And that word micromanagement is slandered around with such a negative stigma. Um, Rightly so in many cases, but not always rightly so. Um, Some people, I hate to say it, and I really believe this, some people sadly do need micromanagement. What do you think? Are you going to disagree? No, I agree. Um, but actually, I would I would take it a step further. Those people need to be fired. <laughs> There's mean Gina. <laughs> if I have to, if I have to micromanage you, yeah. If I have to micromanage you constantly, now I'm not the best at getting all my stuff done. I'm going to put it out there right now, in case mm-hmm. Jeb's listening. <laughs> <laughs> But I but but I get the the priorities done. Like to me, uh-huh. for me, right? I've got these other peripheral things that I work on at Sales Gravy, right? Like so I train and I sell and then I oversee the coaching program and I oversee the military <laughs> program. I, yeah. There's all these pieces and it's a lot on some days. The priority is always for me, money always comes first. So yeah. If if I if things have fallen off my plate, or if or you know if to your point managing up, Jeb had asked for something a couple of weeks ago that was coaching related, and I said, I basically stated like, here's what I got going on because it was that week I was doing two a.m. training. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is when I'll be able to work on it on such mm-hmm. and such a day. I will work on this and and get you the information you're asking for. Mm-hmm. And and I did. But I set I also set the expectation going back to yes. what you're saying of managing up. You, you have to it's sort of like the elephant in the room in sales in general when you have to ask difficult questions of you can't be afraid to say, you know what, I cannot get this done right now. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to what you're saying, like people needing to know, that goes hand in hand with the because statements that we teach when it comes to prospecting. Like, what is the value exchange, right? People need to know mm. if they understand the reason and you give them a good because statement. This is why I need this information from you. You know, I've often said, hey, listen, I don't mean to be nagging you. The people above me need this information and therefore, that's why I'm asking you for the information. So we look cohesive as a team. So help me help yes. you help me. Um, and you give them the reasoning behind that. And then you prioritize it. This is a priority. Now, from a managing up perspective, I've often coached this way. 
Mm. When you get overwhelmed because you have so much on your plate and your boss keeps piling things on you, that's when you say, listen, um, what's the top priority, boss? Yeah, yeah. What 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 are the here's here's what I'm working on A B C D E F what should be number one on my list to knock out Yes Yes Because that, they may they might not be on top of everything that you're working on because they're just kind of shoot aim fire you know Yeah Yeah Good answer by the way um, oh, Kick thanks. ass answer and there's not going to be kiss ass today but that was a kick ass. I'll I'll take a kick in the ass. Yeah, well, you know, these are great questions. And I'm really glad that some of our our listeners came forward and I love that. Gave us these questions. Look at you gathering these questions. Yeah. And I think it's also, I can honestly say that I wished that I had the courage to ask these questions when I started out as a sales manager. You know, I made mistakes and I learned from my mistakes, but I might not have made those mistakes had I not have asked. Um, so here's a great one. I love this question. I find my team really quiet in meetings to the point that I am talking at them. What advice have you got to make my teams more interactive in meetings now? Mm. I bet every sales manager mm. can relate to this. We've all been there. We've all been there Monday morning. Everyone's got their coffee. Here's my advice. <laughs> Stop talking at them. Because you've been talking at them. That's why they got quiet and you have to continue to talk at them. That's just my quick analysis of that. Mm -hmm. If your team's not engaged with you, it's because they either don't like you or they are afraid (laughs) of you or both. Yeah. Or or, Or they don't like or are afraid of the people in the group. Because sometimes you have people in a group that dominate and everybody else is afraid to engage. Isn't it like when we get into training sometimes, the first session is like, everyone, come on, it's fun, let's talk. And then like by the end of it, you can't shut them up. (laughs) You're like, right, everyone, let's come together. Um, And it it really is a thing. But I've got a great answer for this as well. Um, And one thing that I found really useful with teams was giving people a different role before each meeting and to prepare something. So it wasn't just me, the manager, telling you what to do. Um, so that everyone felt like they had uh, responsibility at that meeting. And I believe a good team, you should always empower others. Um, it should never well, be the stage. Well, let, well, let's back up a little bit. Let's back up mm. a little bit on this. Mm. What is the purpose of the meeting? Are we meeting to have a meeting to have a meeting, right? Like, so here's the problem with meetings. Um, they're too long. There's too many. Mm-hmm. In, in certain organizations, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Going back to people need to know, people need to understand the agenda, all right? Like, let's connect that back to what we teach when it comes to prospecting and having a prospecting call. You have to set the agenda. Mm-hmm. On this call, we are going to be doing X, Y, Z. In this meeting, the purpose of today's meeting is to accomplish this. We have 30 minutes to do it. Is that good mm-hmm. with everybody, mm-hmm. right? Like, set those expectations so that they know what they're walking into and there's no doubt in their head what's going on. And and I think that's part of it too. If you're if you yeah. have a, a, a weekly uh, if you have a weekly sales meeting, let's say, then have a rhythm to it. Like this is the rhythm that we follow for every sales meeting or whatever the meeting is. This is the point of it. And then to your point, Susanna, if maybe a piece of that meeting should include 
a highlight of the week or someone's best sale or 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 you do um depending on how many people are in it everybody um contribute a small win from last week like that's one yeah. thing i actually coached a client on uh, their entire sales team that i work with i'm like every friday sales meeting have everybody commu- communicate one small win from last week yeah yeah and it all comes back to the mindset you know that's what we're trying to do in a sales in a, on a sales floor is improve that mindset and if someone's talking at you it's going to be very difficult to do that <laughs> um, they're talking at you and I think um, there are lots of coaching things that you can do within meetings with your team um, and and ultimately get feedback from them we used to do anonymous feedback every four weeks what would you guys find most useful in a meeting um, and very quickly, if you're not careful, these meetings can become trivial. So you've got to really keep them as impactful as possible. If you want to know more about that, come on our time management course at Sales Gravy. Who <laughs> <laughs> needs Jeb to do his plug when I'm doing the plug for him? Um, so I've got another one here. Now, I know that you've come across this too, Gina, because everyone I spoke to has. Um, a <laughs> big question. How do I deal with a negative person on my team. This person has started telling the team that I am a micromanager and they do not want, like me as a manager. Now, I've got a word for this. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm sure I am. Gina says far worse on these on these podcasts. <laughs> uh, I think it's, I call it a, uh, a terrorist. There's a terrorist in a team and it can mm-hmm. be that one person. Yeah. And you don't realize sometimes that that one person had such a negative impact until they resign or leave or they get pushed or whatever. Sometimes you think the whole team are against you when actually it's just an influencer who is influencing oh, yeah. people in the wrong way. Uh, I, I, call, I call them a cancer. It's a cancer yeah. in the group that infects the rest of the group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what to do with that is the question. Is that the question? What do we do with that person? So how do we deal with it? And essentially, I know what I've done. And I, I, I'm hoping that you might disagree with me somewhere along the way because we both come from different fields of experience. But I know that I've always confronted bullies or people who seem unhappy head on because I've never seen it work when a manager hasn't confronted it head on. Some managers want to ignore it pretend it's not happening, think they can overcome it and cheer them up. But in my experience, you have to find the courage to get that person one-on-one and maybe to just say, I've observed this and just be quiet and see what they say. And here's some words from our sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at SalesGrave University. You see, SalesGrave University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now, I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGrave University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. 
Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course, and when you check out, use coupon code FREECOURSE to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. This is a really interesting one because this is a problem. This is a problem in so many companies, and I see it all the time. Mm. There is there is the courage that a leader has to have to step forward with that person and isolate the situation, meaning pull that person to the side. And there, I think there, there's a way to, like you say, confront. Um, I wouldn't say confront because that can sound combative, but you have to mm-hmm. pull that person aside to say, hey, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. And, and approach it, in my opinion, in an empathetic, caring way of like, hey, what's going on with you? Don't make the assumption, and it's easy for us to do this, that Oh my gosh, this person's a bully. Oh my gosh, this person's a jerk. Um, and and we are triggered to that assumption. And I say, you know, take a breather, like ledge, as we might say, take a breather mm-hmm. and just be like, what's going? Because here, here's the thing: people who um, behave badly um, often have something else going on in their lives mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. and so their behavior. Or or they, they or they have some sort of animosity in their job towards um, a manager or employees or the establishment, right? So there's something deeper going on for mm. them to behaving badly. So you, as a leader, have to have the courage to say, "What's what's going on?" Because mm. the way you're behaving is a little out of sorts, and I just want to I just want to check in with you. What is going on? And and do that. That's step one. And then step two, say, hey, your behavior is is contagious and it's impacting everybody else because you're going to have some people who step up and say, you know, that's Susanna. You know, she says this, this and this and that's, you know, negative and it makes me uncomfortable. But there's only going to be like 20 percent of people who do that. Mm. And then you're going to have the other people who don't say anything. And and this is just like customer service, right? Only a small percentage of people complain. And what you should be scared about are the people who don't. The people who don't come forward, the people who don't complain internally. They're just, they're silently saying, you know, this, this is a toxic environment. I think I'm going to leave. Let me start looking for another job. Uh, we're, yes. we're dealing with hashtag what is it? Great resignation right now. And the attitude of, you know what? There's lots of jobs out there. I'm out of here. I mean, I know someone who just resigned from his job with no job lined up. And I'm like, what? Mm. A job he's been at for a long time, you know, like two decades. And he's like, I'll be fine. Right. So now you also have that attitude. People are just saying, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. So I've seen it happen. I've been one of those people frustrated on the sideline going, are they not going to do anything about this? When are they going to stop that person's bad behavior? But then you have passive leadership who's like, I don't want to confront it. We'll just ignore it. Um, yeah. And or, yeah. they'll, or they'll do this. They'll gloss it over and say, let's just blanket it and tell everybody, um, okay, everybody, don't do the following things. Yes. And, and that communication is really for one person Yes. But we're going to do it in this big 
And then Susanna, who is never late, is thinking, why are they looking at me and saying I'm late? And, you know, everyone takes it personally. You always talk about how we've got that inner child, right, when you're talking about creativity. And I think it's very similar when we're at work. We all know who we all look for signs that the manager has a favorite. We all look for signs of well, many, yeah. most people do. We, you know, unless you're a, a psycho, you probably want to be liked by your manager. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to, <laughs> we want, we seek that approval. And if we don't see it, I often find people get negative for other reasons. So I love what you're saying there. It's, it's that seek first to understand and then be understood. And I, I, I've done a lot of work with behavior in autism for autistic children in my previous job. And they always talk about seeing behavior as a sign of communication. Um, what are they trying to say? Look behind the behavior. Um, and I, I, I'm not saying that there aren't some terrorists or cancerous employees that, you know, are, are always going to be that way. Um, and certainly colleagues will want to see that the manager is dealing with it because there is nothing worse than the manager who just looks very submissive. And you see managers getting bullied. You see managers standing back and almost being humiliated by by people because they're not standing up. But that's often because the team want you to be strong and people don't realise this. They don't want you to be a mate. They want to see the boundaries. Yeah, and yeah, I recently coached somebody who she moved into... Um, a management role and, and and you participated in that. Um, you observed that, right? When you have no experience managing a team and then you add to the fact that you're going to manage a team of your peers who used to be your peers and now you're their boss, mm. you, you know, it's like you have to start all over again to win their trust. But whether you're, be, you know, you're starting to manage their whether you're starting to manage your peers or you're just in a new management role, either way, you have to earn their trust. Mm-hmm. And you have to, but you have to walk in with um, relaxed, assertive confidence and authority mm-hmm. so that you don't appear insecure. I'll give you an example. Yes. I had um, in my past life, in a past career, in a past industry, um, a lot of these industries can be small and people know each other in different places. And there was a guy who he and I had equal roles within the organization, kind of. Let's just this is the easiest way for me to describe this in different locations. Mm-hmm. And there was always a competitiveness between us as far as like the growth of our locations. Gina. And- and, and and my location was like in the top five in the world for revenue, as was his. So I end up taking, I end up getting recruited into another company, same industry. And turns out this guy was also interviewing for that job. Well, he didn't get it. I got it. Right. Okay. <laughs> good on me. He then goes to interview for my vacancy. Doesn't get that job. 
He then goes on to interview for the new company I work for, but a different location, gets that job. Once again, we're peers in a new company competing. Fine. When I initially took the job, I took the job. It was a lateral move. And I said to the CEO that I reported directly to, I said, um, one, I said, I'm going to take this position because they were begging me to take it. I will take this position if there are growth opportunities because I've been in this role for several years and I want to be able to move up to a bigger role, to like a regional role. Mm-hmm. I Yeah. Okay. So when that happens, they will do that when that role opens. Well, this guy gets promoted to that role. He He started after me. He overtook you? He overtook me. And next thing you know, he's now my boss. And I'm livid. I'm livid about it for so many reasons because... You thought you'd won and now you lost? Well, well, the, the, the agreement when I took the job was that when a, re, when a regional position opened, they would put me in that position. Quite, now, yeah. yeah. You've been promised it. Right. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, not only did I not get the position, I wasn't aware there was a position open. Mm. Right. Right. So all of a sudden, the CEO calls me and says, you now report to this person. I'm like, oh, like, I didn't even know what to say. I didn't have my voice then, even though I did, but I didn't. So this guy (laughs) calls me and says, "Uh, hey, uh, hey, I hope you're not mad at me. That's how he starts this conversation with me. And I said, why would I be mad at you? Well, you know, because now I'm your boss. I mean, he was like so almost wimpy and insecure about it. Like Mm -hmm. he knew, he knew it was wrong. Like he knew, right? And I said, hey, I I am happy for you. Congratulations on the role. I said, I just wish I would have known that there was a job opening. And that that was communicated. So, So, yeah. So as a leader, you know, when you get promoted amongst your peers, you can't be a weasel about it. You've got to have some level of confidence with it. Mm. You also should have the reason, the story, like... Hey, I mean, and, and this happened, same industry, when I came in, when I first entered that industry and took a, a management position over other people. I was new to the industry. There were people who applied for the position mm-hmm. within that company who had the industry experience that I did not, but they brought me in from the outside. And they brought me in from the outside because of my marketing experience. And they wanted a strong yeah. marketing and salesperson um, in, in an actual and operational role. So the sales manager in that role who wanted the higher role says to me, I don't even have your resume. I don't even know what your experience is. Now, this is my new employee who, who reports to me, right? Who says yeah. this to me. And I said, um, I'm so sorry they didn't share that with you. I'd be happy to share that with you. There's a reason why they put me in the in this position, but let's talk about this now and get and let's talk about the elephant in the room. I understand that you applied for this position and you didn't get it. And who am I? I get. I hear you. I said, is this going to be an issue? 
or are we going to be able to work together? Good on you. Now that takes courage. What did he say? Uh, it shocked him, right? Because he's like, uh, 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 yeah, well, yeah, well, okay. And we were, and we were fine. We were quickly nice. fine because I said, hey, you know your job. You do it well. I think that's why they kept you there because yeah. you, you generate revenue in this role. And I don't really know if you want the headaches of this role that I'm taking on. And at the end of it all, he was like, I'm so happy I didn't take the, I'm so happy you got the job and I didn't. <laughs> right. But we, but I, but I, but I approached it head on, not in yeah. a combative way, not in an insecure way. Um, a just kind of like honest, empathetic. Yes. Let's do this way. People appreciate that. I love that story. I think um, I, I've got a very, I don't think I've ever told anyone this story and I'm extremely embarrassed about it to the point that you might actually lose respect for me and all of our <laughs> listeners might lose respect for me. I might not be here next week, guys. Um, oh, oh, yes. Oh, if there are any, is any, cringe. <laughs> this is career suicide. What I'm if about to tell you. If there's any other, any other blonde females out there, give me a call. Keep um, going. Don't, or I'll be after you. Um, but honestly, on a serious note, this was the cringeworthy every manager's nightmare. Have you? We've spoken about the office. I don't need to ask you if you've seen the American Office. Um, I'm a massive fan, as you know, and got addicted to the point that I was watching over and over again. To the point that I thought pranks were funny. I was a new manager. And I thought, I can be a cool manager and I'm going to be the coolest manager ever. I, I wasn't, but I, I thought I was. So one day came in, thought, I'm going to bring some fun into this team. I got the sellotape and started sellotaping a few people's handsets down to their phone to make a point that you need to pick up your phone because if you don't, it's going to get taped or something like that. It was something lame. Anyway... Joke was made. A couple of people laughed. Kind of a bit awkward. Tumbleweed. I was a bit like, mm, I won't try that one again. It didn't work out quite how I hoped it would. Anyway, me in my early 20s then got called into the HR office and there had been a complaint about me um, because um, it was inappropriate what I, what I did and it made a few people feel awkward and that was understandable. So how did I deal with it? I, I actually put my hands up and said that was a really, really silly thing to do. I can understand why it upset people. And I spoke to people individually. Now, after doing this, I I can't tell you how much the relationship I had with my team improved. This was year one in management. And then, you know, thinking back now, year nine, year 10, I'm so glad I learned that lesson knowing the boundaries with your team. You are not their friend. You still have to keep the boundaries. You could be fun, you can be funny, but there are some things you just can't do like you would as a colleague. And for me, that was making the step. And the lesson I learned from that is put your hands up and apologize. No one's expecting you to get it right as a manager. You will make mistakes, but if you don't own up to them, that's worse. Well, I, I agree. Um, I, I, you know, for the longest time, I the company I was previously with that I owned, we did a lot of leadership training and I often talked about the importance of vulnerability and humility. Mm. And when you can come from a place of humility and vulnerability, your team looks at you differently, right? Because mm. I go, okay, she does fail. People like people who fail. Yeah. Because it humanizes them. 
Now, I'm not saying all the time, but it's okay to be like, hey, I screwed up. I screwed this up. Yeah. I'm not perfect. Um, I might be in a leadership role, but I'm not perfect. Which then brings us to, which could be a good way to wrap this up, is, <laughs> you know, here's here's what happens oftentimes in sales leadership, right? You get promoted to that role, and then you're given zero training yes. on how to be a leader. And you're just trying to figure it out while your team resents you for it. So... <laughs> If you are a leader promoting another leader, perhaps you would like to get them some training on how to be a leader. Unless, of course, you're a leader who got no leadership training and you're just as messed up, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I, yet yeah, people are getting better at it. We're at Sales Grovey, we're seeing lots of sales managers coming onto our coaching and they, they love it. But there are still lots of sales managers out there who need extra support and it's needed. And we invest so much in our sales team, but like you say, not our sales managers. So, you know, hopefully we'll see some improvement improvement um, over the next. We'll be we'll be watching you all. We'll be watching you all. <laughs> I, I think that's why we do see um, people come to us for coaching um, and leadership coaching and sales leadership coaching because they're not getting it internally. Yeah. And they want to be better at it uh, because if they can be a better sales leader, it's going to help everybody overall. Yes, so. absolutely. Understanding yourself. And one ma- ba- ma- bad manager who's promoted into the wrong role can really mess up a whole team. Um, someone said to me the other day, Lady Macbeth syndrome, power went to her head and she went mad with the power. And we've all met a Lady Macbeth <laughs> in our lives. Yeah. But... We could all be a Lady Macbeth I was if just we don't say, watch and we, ourselves. And we all have a little Lady Macbeth in us. Yes, I can see. I was actually thinking that, as I'm sure many of our listeners were, Gina could play Lady Macbeth. <laughs> Stop it. Well, you Shakespeare know, and English. But, 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 you know, early on in my career, early on in my career, um, when I became a leader, nobody taught me how to be a leader, right? So I had to, like, feel my way through it and figure it out. And um, at least I was open to seeking out mentors and coaches. And and I had some really great bosses who coached me, right? Like mm-hmm. I would get frustrated with things. And I, I had one really amazing um, manager to that to this day. Like I just adored him. And he said mm-hmm. to me one day, Gina, when you're president of the company, you can do whatever you want. But right now you're not president of the company. <laughs> and it was such a like, oh, okay, got it. And his other <laughs> words of wisdom he shared with me was, it is very lonely at the top as a leader. Mm. Because you, you know, people are not, some people are not going to like you. No matter mm. how nice you are. You could be the nicest person in the world and somebody will find something wrong with you and you better thicken up your skin. Um, The phrase we use at Sales Gravy is um, you have to be Teflon. You have to be Teflon. Yeah, if you're not disliked, I hate to say it, but you're probably not a very good or impactful leader. Someone's going to dislike you along the way. Yeah. Yeah, I had a coach. I had a coach once who, who used to say that, in sales specifically as a salesperson, 
you're you may polarize some people mm. and that's okay right that's how you figure out who's the right client for you too yeah exactly exactly no, I, love I hope that. we got to everyone's questions if not mm-hmm. we'll do, we did we'll it do, we'll do more <laughs> we'll do more there will in be another more. episode there will be more that's if i'm not fired by next week well, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm holding auditions. No, I'm kidding. You um, love your power here. You love your power. Next week, I might just turn up with a redhead. Who? Battle of the redheads. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Bring nah. it. Um, I thought this was a great. Um, thank you for bringing these questions from our listeners to answer. I thought this was really insightful. And if there's anything else listeners, our Warner listeners want to hear about or have us talk about, um, please put your hand up and 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 tell us please do i just recently updated my weekly email that i send out um to include a section called coachable moments so i've been putting in uh just kind of like words of wisdom from like things that i learned through coaching our clients as well because things come up Mm. all the time um I, i get questions all the time about how to how to do different things and handle different things and so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take these questions that come up in in coaching sessions and answer them um, or share best practices from yeah. some of our clients. So we would yeah. love to hear your questions. It makes it feel like everyone's hanging out with us, even though they're just listening. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's yeah. with us. <laughs> well, that's that's it for this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About. America versus the United Kingdom. Um, for more information about the show, you can go to womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com and you'll find all of our social media platforms there. And you'll also find Suzanne and I both um, at salesgravy.com. So go check that out. If you haven't given us a review or a rating, you could go do that as well, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, any parting words for you, Miss Susanna Gray-Jones, before you turn in for the night. Mrs. Susanna Gray-Jones. Oh, that's what I meant. (laughs) Mrs. Mrs. Nothing at all. Keep the questions coming. Um, We like them. And farewell, farewell. Oh, farewell. And by the way, um, here's a a word. Here's another word to end with when I called you Miss. Here in the South, in, um, Uh in, um, in the United States, one of the things I had to adapt to was whether you're a Mrs. or a Miss, everybody calls you Miss. So it's like Miss Gina, Miss Susanna, Miss Michelle. Like, it's just, Ooh. it's Ooh, it's a thing. One more thing on that before we go. Yeah. I was called Ma'am the other day by someone at Sales Gravy. Ma'am, like M-A-M. Yeah. What's with that? Am I, why am I a Ma'am? That's What's that prop- mean? That's proper. It's proper to call you Ma'am. It would be impolite to not call you Ma'am. Wow. So it's like sir or... Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's exactly. Ma'am. Right. Yeah, that I was something even to... even more proper now, my English seat. Yeah. <laughs> so so that was something I had to adapt to, being called ma'am and being called miss. So it's yes, ma'am. That's that's polite. Should I start calling you ma'am then? You can. <laughs> you can. Yes, I mean, ma'am. I've, ad- I've, I've adapted to that in this I house. mean, I respect you. Um, thank but you, I ma'am. Mean, we, we say yes, we say yes, ma'am, no matter what your age is. Yeah. Well, I'll of, say of yes, course. ma'am, to the server who just served me breakfast in the restaurant. 
I'm going to practice that. See if it feels natural. If it doesn't, I'll go back to a. You you better practice it before you come visit us in America, especially Otherwise, because you won't let me in. <laughs> well, if you're coming to the South, you better learn that. I'm just saying. I will. I will. All I will. right. Respect. That is our English lesson for the day. <laughs> Pants, pantsuit, miss, ma'am, and some sales leadership sprinkled in. We're out of here, Warners. Bye. Any fable I hear from a person in pants, and then that's my American accent, by the way.